0: I want to read a story called You Are Mine. The author is, is somebody called Max Lucado. Some of the older people in the room might know Max Lucado. Some of you may have even read this story. But this story is going to help me share a message about God's love. So we're going to start on the screen. You won't be able to see the book, but on the screen will be the pictures in the book. There we go. Some, I might need to explain, but we'll get there. Okay, everyone sitting comfortably? (laughs) I'll begin. Punchinello, difficult name to say, lived in Wemmicksville. Just like other Wemmicks, he was made of wood. Just like other Wemmicks, he was carved by Eli, the Wemmick maker. And just like the other Wemmicks, he sometimes did silly things. Like the time he began collecting boxes and balls things started getting silly when a Wemmick named Tuck bought a new box others had boxes but Tuck's was a new box Tuck loved his new box he thought it was the best box in the village it was brightly colored and he was proud of it too proud perhaps he strutted up and down the street showing off his box have you seen my new box he would ask the Wemmicks he passed on the street would you like to touch my box Tuck marched right up to Punchinello. Don't you wish you had my new box, he teased. Punchinello thought Tuck's box was beautiful. He began to wish for a box of his own. Tuck kept showing off his box, thinking he was better than the other Wemmicks, just because he had a new box. Nip, another Wemmick, disagreed. My box is just as good as Tuck's. He said as he showed off his box to Wemmicks on the other side of the street, Nip's box was not new, but it was a bit bigger and a bit brighter and a bit more than Tuck could take. Tuck became very quiet and gave Nip a mad look. Then he had an idea. He stepped into a store and bought a ball. Now he had more things than Nip. He had a box and a ball. Nip frowned at Tuck's ball. Nip could do better than that. He bought two balls. With a smile on his face, two balls and a box in his hand, he marched over to Tuck and smirked. Now I have more than you. Before he knew it, Tuck was in the store buying another box. Then Nip ran to buy another ball. Then Tuck bought a ball and Nip bought a box. Ball, box, ball, box, Nip, tuck, Nip, tuck. On and on it went. Someone could have swapped that, stopped the whole mess right there. In fact, that's what the mayor tried to do. You two are being silly, he said to Nip and Talk. Who cares who has the most toys? (laughs) You're just jealous, they replied, because you don't have any. Jealous of you? Ha! But within a few moments, the mayor was in the store buying an armful of boxes and balls. Other Wemmicks began to join in. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the doctor from the road, and the dentist from down the road. Before long, every Wemmick wanted to be the one with the most balls and the most boxes. Some boxes were big, some were bright, some balls were heavy, and some were light. Tall people carried them, small people carried them, everybody carried them, and everybody thought the same thought. Good Wemmicks have a lot. Not so good Wemmicks. When a Wemmick walked through the centre of Wemmicksville with a stack of balls and boxes higher than his head, the people stopped. Now there goes a good Wemmick. They would say, but when a Wemmick passed by with only one ball and one box, the others would shake their heads and think, maybe even whisper, poor Wemmick, poor of course, Punchinello didn't want to be called a poor Wemmick, so he decided to get as many boxes and balls as he could he searched through his closet and found one little ball he dug into his pocket and found enough money to buy one small box I know what I'll do, he, de- he declared I'll sell my books to get more money to buy more boxes and balls, so he did he bought a blue and a green box with clouds painted on the sides but he still wanted more I'll work nights to get extra money, he told himself. So he did, and he bought a ball. And since he was working nights, he didn't need his bed. So he decided, I'll sell my bed. And he did just that, and he got two more balls. Soon Punchinello had an armful, but other Wemmicks had more. Some of them had so many boxes and balls, they actually had trouble walking. It's hard keeping up with all these boxes and balls, they would say, acting like they were complaining, but really, they were bragging. Punchinello wanted to be like those Wemmicks, so he sold more stuff. And he worked more hours. His eyes were tired from getting not enough sleep. His arms were tired from carrying toys. He couldn't remember when he last sat down to rest. And worst of all, his friends couldn't remember the last time Punchinello went out to play. We haven't seen you for a long time, his friend Lucia said to him one day. Why don't you come and play, asked his buddy Splint. Not everyone cared about boxes and balls. Punchinello's friends didn't, but Punchinello, he cared more about having boxes and balls than he cared about having friends. I've got work to do, he would tell them, and his friends would sigh. Punchinello didn't care. He only cared what the other box and ball people thought, and no matter what he did, he couldn't buy enough things to get their attention. Finally, he had an idea. I'll sell my house. He asked, he decided. That's crazy, said Lucia. Where do you, where will you live, asked Splint. Punchinello didn't know, but he didn't care. All he could think about was the boxes and the balls he would have all with, with, with all of that money. So he sold his house. He bought boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and balls, and balls and balls and balls. He carried so many toys he couldn't see where he was going. His stack went way above his head, but he didn't mind. So what if his arms ached? So what if he kept walking into walls? So what if he had no friends? He had many boxes and balls. And when he passed Wemmicks, they would turn and say, Wow, he must be a good Wemmick. Punchinello heard them. He couldn't see them, but he heard them. And he felt good. I'm a good Wemmick, he thought. But just in case you were a bit unsure what was going on, Punchinello is a, wood, is a man made of wood. A wooden person. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe Punchinello. He's from Wemmicksville. And as you notice in the story, people from Wemmick, a lot of people from Wemmick, collected, strangely, boxes and balls. And Punchinello, he wants to be a good Wemmick. So he wants to collect lots of boxes and balls. Now, if that was us, we probably wouldn't want lots of boxes and balls. We would probably want an iPad, an Xbox, or a PlayStation. We would want a Ferrari. We want a big house, a nice holiday. We want to be and feel important. We want to be happy. So many people, sometimes I include myself, I want to go around and collect things for myself make myself look good, make myself feel good. Sometimes I want to make myself look and feel better than all those other Wemmicks or people out there. So we're not too dissimilar to Punchinello. We're a bit like Punchinello. So this story is a little bit about you and me. So let's, now we're all sitting comfortably, let's read the second part of the story. I should have put a bookmark in. The last thing that Punchinello said said was, I'm a good Wemmick. Next page. But then somebody changed the rules. It was the mayor's wife. She was very proud of her boxes and balls She not only had a lot of them, but she also had special kinds of them. She bought them at the fanciest stores with the funniest names and left the names on the boxes so everyone would see them. She wanted to be the best Wemmick. One day she had an idea. Not only will I have the most, but I will go the highest. So she climbed on top of one of her boxes and shouted, Look at me, everybody! Just like that. Immediately, all the box and ball people tried to outdo her. One climbed onto a fountain, another onto, bou- onto a balcony, and then another onto a roof. It was the mayor who spotted the mountain. Behind the village of the Wemmicks was Wemmicks Peak. I'm going to the top of the mountain, he shouted, hoping to get there first. The race was on to see which Wemmick would have the most and climb the highest. Wemmicks, loaded with boxes and balls, began running up the mountain. It was a crazy, crazy race. Since the wooden people couldn't see where they were going, they bumped into each other. Since they were exhausted, they fell over their own feet. But since the trail was narrow, some fell down the side. But they kept going. Bringing up the rear was Punchinello. He was having a hard climb, harder than the rest. After all, he'd only been a good Wemmick for a short time. He wasn't used to carrying so many boxes and balls, but he was determined. He kept putting one little wooden foot ahead of the other, but as he couldn't see, he didn't know that he was on the side of the trail. And as he couldn't see, he didn't know that he had left the trail. All he knew was that all of a sudden, he was all alone. I must be ahead of everyone else, he thought to himself. And so he kept climbing up and up and up and up and up. I must be near the very, very top. I'm such a good Wemmick. I'll be the highest with the most. At about the same time, Punchinello's foot caught the edge of something. He tried to keep his balance. His toys swayed to the right and then to the left. He leaned back, then forward, but he couldn't stop. He was going to fall. He didn't know, however, that he, was, he had walked up the trail to Eli, the woodmaker's house. He tripped on the step of the porch and tumbled through the front door of Eli's workshop. When Punchinello realized where he was, he was embarrassed. For a long time, he stayed face down on the floor, surrounded by his boxes and balls. One of the balls rolled across the floor and stopped at Eli's workbench. That's when the woodcarver turned around. Punchinello. Eli's voice was calm and deep and kind. The Wemmick still didn't move. He couldn't feel his wooden face turning red. Looks like you've been carrying a big load. The weary Wemmick climbed up to his knees but kept his head low. These are my boxes and balls, he said quietly. Do you play with these boxes and balls? Punchinello shook his head. Do you like these boxes and balls? I like the way they make me feel. And how do they make you feel? Important. Punchinello answered still with a small voice. Hmm, Eli observed. So you've been thinking like the other Wemmicks. You've been thinking that the more you have, the better you are and the happier you'll be. I suppose so. Come here, Punchinello. I want to show you something. Punchinello lifted his wooden head and looked at Eli for the first time. He was relieved to see that the Wemmick maker wasn't angry. Punchinello followed Eli over to the window. Look at them, Eli said. Punchinello looked out of the window at the swarm of Wemmicks still climbing the mountain. They were tumbling, stumbling, fidgeting, fighting each other, even elbowing each other to get ahead. Do they look happy, said Eli. Punchinello shook his head. Do they look important? Not at all, Punchinello said, noticing the mare and his wife. The mare was on the ground, and she was stepping onto his back. She had a box on her head, and he had a ball in his mouth. Do you think I created the Wemix to act this way? Eli asked. No. Punchinello felt a big hand on his shoulder. Do you know how much your boxes and balls cost you? My books and my bed, my money, my house. My little friend, they cost you more than that. Punchinello was trying to remember what else he had sold. When Eli continued, they cost you happiness. You haven't been happy, have you? Punchinello paused. No, they cost you friends. And most of all, they cost you trust. You didn't trust me to make you happy. You trusted these boxes and balls. Punchinello looked up at the pile of toys. All of a sudden, they didn't seem so valuable. I kind of messed up. That's okay, Eli replied. You're still special. Punchinello ducked his head and smiled. You're special, not because of what you have. You're special because of who you are. You are mine, and I love you. Don't forget that, little friend. And so, without a house... That night, Punchinello slept on a bed of wood shavings in Eli's house. He slept well. It felt good to be in the house of his maker. So like Punchinello and the Wemmicks, we want the iPad. We want the happiness. We want the good job. We want to feel important. And we thinking about the word equip, this is the series that we're in, equipped. We want to equip ourselves with all of these things and make ourselves feel good about ourselves and make ourselves feel less bad about the naughty things that we've done. So we make things and bring things into our own life. And what we don't realize is it's not those things that make us happy. So, does God equip us? Paul preached last Sunday and he asked that question, does God equip us? And the answer is yes, he does. Why do we try so hard to make ourselves feel good? Why do we so hard to make ourselves feel loved? Why do we try so hard to get things, to make our lives feel like they are valuable and worth something when we don't realize that the one who made us, made us, loved us, created us before we had anything else? We don't need to have things or do things to earn God's love, to feel valuable. He loves us anyway. So three things that God equips us with. The first one, and there's three Bible verses. The first one is God Gives you or God meets your needs. What do you need today? Food, house, job, happiness, joy, friendship, relationships, family, all these things you need. And what does the Bible say in Philippians? It says in verse 19 of chapter 4 My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Isn't it good to know that the one who made you, designed you, thought about you and thought, I love that person, also wants to meet all of your needs. You never need to have not enough. You can always have what God has given you because he has riches in heaven. Wow. So God equips you with your needs. The second thing is he gives you the desires of your heart there's something different between a need and a want. I want that Ferrari. I want to look good in front of that person. Now, some of our wants aren't always good. I want to be rich beyond my wildest dreams isn't always good. Now, let's read a verse that helps us understand what this means. God does give us our desires, but Psalm 37 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean if you come to church and you worship God and you delight in him, you'll get the Ferrari. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that um, if you're, if you love Jesus and you're a Christian, that you can beat up your enemy because, you know, you, you don't like him. It doesn't mean that. What it means is God will give you desires. So, he will give you the things that are good for you. Boxes and balls, iPads and, and, and all these things that we try and give ourselves aren't always good for us. They're not always healthy. He will give you a desire for things that are good for you and healthy and helpful. The best thing. He will give you desires. And then when you've got those desires in you, he will give those things to you. And normally those desires aren't about what I can get for me. It's about what I can do for other people. The third thing, and this is the last thing, and then we're going to listen to a song is first of all, he gives you your needs. You don't, if you're a Christian, you don't ever need to need anything. He gives you everything you need. He also gives you the desires. What do you really want? What is the most important thing to you he'll give to you? third thing is God gives you answers to prayer. And in John John chapter five, in the message, it says, and imagine Punchinello going into Eli's workshop It's a little bit like that here. And now, bold and free, we then become in his presence. Freely asking according to his will. Sure that he's listening, God is listening to you. And if we're confident, confident that he's listening, we know that what we have asked for is as good as ours. So if you're praying for things... The key thing here is to spend time with God, spend time with your maker, and then suddenly your prayers change. You pray for others, you pray for, for the church, you pray for those in need, and then God starts to give you answers to your prayer. God is a God who answers prayer. He will equip you with whatever you need, want, and are praying for. And the key thing here is not doing it on your own. The key thing is doing it with God and being in his presence. So I'm going to ask you one question and we're going to play a song. The lyrics will go on the screen. It's a quiet... It's it's a moment to reflect and you can... I don't mind if you want to whisper and talk to your parents or talk to somebody that you're with and just think about this one question while you listen to the song and watch and read the lyrics that come on the screen. Is what boxes and balls or whatever your box and ball is, it could be an iPad, it could be um, you want to be happy, it could be you want to feel important, what, do, what boxes and balls do you need to put down so that you can spend time with the God who made you?